to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Well, good morning. Um, Today I want to talk about gifts and talents used for God's glory. And my main scripture today, although I'll be kind of going into a lot of different scriptures throughout the Bible, is from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, where it says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, you know, that's a challenge to us as Christians to do all to the glory of God. Because, you know, it's easy to do when we're at church, when we're maybe at a home Bible study or men's group or on a Christian retreat, to have that perspective to do everything that we're doing for God's glory. But if we're in our workplaces or on the turnpike, or with our family who may not be believers, um, or with friends, um, how can we do all for God's glory in those instances? Well, I want to talk today about using everything that we have, everything that God's given us for His glory. The Bible tells us in Genesis that we are created in God's image. That means that we should be reflecting his image to the world around us in everything that we do. And not just, like I said, not just here at church, not just in a home Bible study or in uh, home groups or, or things related to ministry, but in every aspect of our lives. When Jesus was on the earth, he used his abilities to serve others and to glorify his Father. And since all people have been gifted with certain talents and abilities and we're supposed to be imitating Christ, then we should be using those gifts, using those gifts, talents, abilities, whatever you want to call them, for God's glory and to benefit others. And we know that people are gifted in all different ways. That's really what makes us unique individual people, we can go look around the room and we can see people that have different giftings, different, different talents, and different abilities. Now, the Bible kind of speaks about gifts and talents, sometimes interchangeably, and sometimes distinguishes between the two. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to talk about natural talents that we all have and that we can kind of look at our lives and maybe identify those things that we would consider natural talents. And we're going to also look at spiritual gifts. And we're going to look at the two of them and see how maybe they will overlap and how we are to determine um, if those things should be used and how to use them for God's glory. I read an article about, um, about what people buy as gifts for for other people. And, you know, in 2019, it says Americans purchased an estimated $171 billion worth of gift cards from a $500 prepaid Visa card to a $25 restaurant gift certificate. Gift cards are so popular that they actually account for 55% of the average shopper's entire gift budget. But gift cards aren't always ideal. Why? Well, oftentimes they go unused. At any given time, up to 19% of gift card balances remains unredeemed. And believe it or not, about 6% of gift cards are never, ever used. Now think about that. And if we look at the 10-year period between 2005 and 2015, unredeemed gift card balances amounted to an estimated $45.7 billion. Unused, unredeemed. 
What are the reasons why people don't use their gift cards? Well, maybe they forgot that they got it, right? That's happened. Maybe they lose the gift card. Maybe they don't like the retailer or the restaurant that the gift card uh, was issued from. Maybe they buy something of a lower amount and then just don't use up the balance. That's happened. And I know it's happened to me. Gift cards sometimes expire. And when that happens, then they're, then they're worthless. I, we can make the same application to people. We've all been given gifts and talents. But if we aren't using them, or maybe we decide we don't like the gift that we've been given, or maybe we only use a portion of it, or we allow it to go unused because maybe we waited too long, that's happened, then we really aren't being good stewards of what the Lord has given us. Now, you may ask, is there a difference between natural abilities and spiritual gifts? And the answer would be yes. And, but they can often overlap. Let's say you have a natural talent for writing. Um, you may be called by God to write Christian books or devotionals or a, a Christian blog. Let's say you have a natural talent to teach. Well, God may call you to be a teaching pastor or a Sunday school teacher, or to lead a home group in your home. Maybe you have a natural ability for music, maybe inherited from, from your parents. Um, you may be called by God to be used on the worship team. So you can see how natural talents that we all have can be used for God's glory. The first thing we have to realize as we kind of go through today is whether it's a natural talent or a spiritual gift, they are all from God. James 1.17 tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So we see the source of the gifts, the source of the talents, come from God. Natural talents are exercised apart from the empowering of the Holy Spirit because they are natural human abilities. Every person has them. We can identify them in ourselves or we can identify them in others because they're demonstrated kind of in everyday life. We see people with a a natural ability to play a sport or have musical talent And we can admire those things and appreciate how they're being used. And those are the kinds of things that maybe connect us to one another, right? And bring us joy when we watch people that are using their talents to entertain or to bless others. It's also been said that we can use our talents for good or for evil, and I believe that that's true. People may have a talent for leadership, but they may influence people to commit a crime. So is that a good use of your gift of leadership? Part of using our gifts and abilities is having the proper motivation. The proper motivation for using our gifts is always supposed to be to benefit others. In those things, God is well pleased. Now, there are a lot of people who do some very good things, good works, use their natural abilities and talents to make the world a better place, but they're not necessarily doing it for God's glory. Does that mean that they're wasting their talents? Well, I would say not really. They're not really wasting their talents, but I would say that they're not using them to the fullest potential. Imagine this. Imagine doing some benevolent acts of kindness, helping and serving others, but glorifying God in the process. I call that a double blessing. I call that a win-win. Because not only are you now using your gifts and abilities to help others, but you're also glorifying God at the same time. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5.16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So that always 
needs to be the result of our good works. Never for self-aggrandizement or to get the focus on what we do. Now, natural talents are something that all people have, whether you're a believer or not. There's something you might be born with. There's something that you may nurture over the years or train for. And they could be something that you just have a natural predisposition for. Like you're, you're inclined or you have a, a natural aptitude for certain things. Even the Bible talks about using natural gifts and abilities apart from the spiritual gifts, apart from even, even an empowering of the Holy Spirit. Exodus 28.3 says, So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments. Exodus 35.25, it says, All the women who were gifted artisans spun yard with, yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of purple, gold, blue, and scarlet, and fine linen. So we see these natural abilities. First Corinthians, First Chronicles 22.15 tells us, Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen and stonecutters, and all types of skillful men for every kind of work when they were building the temple. They needed people with natural abilities, stonecutters, woodworkers, carpenters, those people who could do that kinds of, those kinds of work, not necessarily empowered by the Holy Spirit, but still using them for God's kingdom. Those verses mention a few places where natural gifts are mentioned in the context of doing work for the Lord. Some people have a natural ability to work with fabrics or, to, or dyes to make clothing. Some people have been skilled in labor like woodworking or masonry. We see in the Psalms musical instructions in a lot of the Psalms in order to guide the musicians through the song. Psalm 4.1 says, to the chief musician with stringed instruments. So it's giving musical instructions. Now someone who had no musical ability or talent would not be a person that this was necessarily would, would apply to. Psalm 5.1 says, to the chief musician with flutes. So if you play a flute, then this is the song for you. Psalm 6.1 says, to the chief musician with stringed instruments, and then more precisely, on an eight-stringed harp. So those are natural abilities, maybe that people have trained for or honed over the years, that have been used by God to bless others and glorify Him. Remember, in the New Testament, there was a woman who had a natural talent for selling goods, and she used the proceeds to help the Apostle Paul and the other disciples. In Acts 16, verses 14 to 15, it says, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord... Come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So she was a woman who had a natural gift for selling goods. She was able to provide for her household. And not only that, she was able to provide for the disciples when they came, a place to stay, a place to eat, a place to lodge. So she used those natural talents to glorify God and to help others. But those talents aren't necessarily supernatural gifts. They're natural abilities that people have decided to use in order to further the kingdom. Whether a believer or not, all people have those talents. And you can use them in just purely temporal pursuits, worldly pursuits. And many people do. On the other hand, the Bible talks a lot about spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are different. Spiritual gifts are those things that are given only to believers. Why is that? Well, it's because spiritual gifts come from an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
And only within a believer is the Holy Spirit Spirit dwelling. Among one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to empower us as believers to use our spiritual gifts for the building up of the body of Christ and the sharing of the good news of the gospel with, with those who don't know. And there are three places mainly in the New Testament where we find these spiritual gifts. I want to go through them briefly today because some, some of you may realize after today's teaching, oh, I have that gift. I didn't, I didn't even realize that. Or I have a natural talent for something that I, that I use maybe in my job, but I can also use it to bless others and to uh, build up the body of Christ. So in, in Romans chapter 12, there's a, a, there's a list in Romans chapter 12 in verses 6 through 8. So we're going to go through the verses individually. And in verse 6 it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So very clear here, Paul tells us that there are various spiritual gifts. They're given to us by God, by His grace, and we're not to just hoard them or keep them to ourselves, but we're to use them in the furthering of the kingdom. These are different from natural abilities. These are empowered by the Holy Spirit. These spiritual gifts for the work of the Lord cannot be accomplished apart from the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Those who come to faith in Christ, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift. You probably have more than one. Maybe you have never understood that. Maybe you have never even had the desire to find that out. But the Bible tells us every single believer has at least one, probably more, spiritual gifts. Paul writes here in Romans about the gift of prophecy in Romans 6. The gift of prophecy is one of those gifts that can be supernatural. And we're going to talk about maybe how it relates to today. And this, this could be somewhat of a, a controversy even among believers. Because there's one line of thinking where the gift of prophecy that Paul is talking about was a temporary gift given only to the first century church in order to kind of establish it, the foundation upon which the church was built. And think about it in that context. They didn't have the benefit of the New Testament that we do. Many of them might not even have had the complete Old Testament scriptures. Now, the Old Testament prophets would foretell future events in order to establish the validity that God was speaking through them. Remember, in Deuteronomy, it tells us that, that a prophet must be a 100% correct all of the time, or else he's a false prophet. But now, we have the full revelation of God, right? In the Old and New Testament. And do we also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as believers. Hebrews 1 tells us, in verses 1 and 2, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. That's how he spoke to people, through the prophets of God. Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. We receive revelation now from the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ, and the Bible, which has revealed all things necessary for us to live and walk in a way that's pleasing to God. The other important point about the gift of prophecy is the meaning of the word itself. It actually has two meanings. One is to foretell, which is a telling of a future event. 
But there's also the meaning of forthtelling. Now, forthtelling could be just proclaiming the truths of God, proclaiming what's in the Bible to be the truth. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And so if we have full revelation from God through the Scriptures and through his Son, Jesus, then we would just point to Jesus, we would point to the Bible, and we would say, here is the truth. And as we read it and get into it and pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal those things, we understand the truths of the Scriptures. And again, I mentioned before that part of true prophecy is that you must be 100% accurate all the time. Deuteronomy 18.22 tells us when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, so someone's coming to you and they're saying, the Lord hath spoken, or the Lord has told me something to tell you. It goes on, it says, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing that the Lord has not spoken. So they're coming to you and saying, the Lord hath spoken, and what they say didn't happen. Well, guess what? The Lord hath not spoken those things. And it says, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him, or you shall not give him respect or honor or credibility because what they said did not come to pass. Now listen, there have been a lot of false prophets over the years. There's a whole denomination that claims that they are the New Testament prophet of God. There are people who put themselves up as modern-day prophets, but they've been wrong, they've been mistaken in some of their predictions, some of the things that they say, and even some of the way that they proclaim the truths of Scripture are wrong. So they would be false prophets. I don't really see today really the need for a prophet of God, especially since it's so hard to determine whether they're actually truthful or not. So someone who puts themselves up in that position, we need to be very wary of. Romans 12.7 goes on and talks about this next spiritual gift of ministering. It says, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. That word for ministering is the same word we get our word deacon from. It's actually to serve. That's what it means. Do you serve others? This is help or assistance that you would give someone in their time of need. It could be in a formal ministry, let's say food for the soul, where you're helping people in their time of need. It could be a member of the prayer team where you're lifting someone up spiritually. Or it could be as the Lord leads you in your everyday life. You know, maybe sometimes there are people who come across your path just in your day-to-day that need help. You know, maybe someone broke down on the side of the road. Are you the person who stops and helps them? Are you ministering to people in that way? Well, then you have the gift of ministry. He goes on and says in verse 7, He who teaches in teaching. This is the ability to explain God's Word in a way that people will understand and be built up in their faith. This is a supernatural gift because it requires the Holy Spirit to understand spiritual things. 1 Corinthians 2.4 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Before you were saved, did you ever try to read the Bible and say, I just don't understand any of this. It makes no sense to me. Well, I think we all might have done that at some point. That's because you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, indwelling you. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach us, the Bible says, to to lead us into all truth. So for those who have been gifted with that gift of teaching, you are also filled with the Holy Spirit and you now have this gift where you can explain the Word of God to people. 
Maybe it's in a men's group. Maybe it's in a woman's group. Maybe it's a home Bible study. Maybe it's teaching a Sunday school class. could be teaching from the pulpit. It could be teaching your family about the things of God, explaining, opening up the Word to them. You may have that gift. Are you using it? Romans 12.8 tells us, He who exhorts in exhortation. Exhortation. This is another word for encourage. Are you an encourager? Are you someone who encourages others? Are you encouraging other believers to walk rightly before the Lord? Is there someone in your life who is always pointing you in the right direction? Well, they're an exhorter. They're an encourager. Someone who may even at times correct you. But do it in a way that you can receive because they have the gift of exhortation. The gift of encouragement. And you welcome that even though we don't always appreciate correction. But because they have a a gift empowered by the Holy Spirit, they don't do it in a way that talks down to us. They do it in a way that we can receive. And that's a beautiful gift that can be used amongst believers. 12.8 goes on and says, He who gives with liberality. Do you give? Are you a giving person? Are you someone who shares? Shares maybe material things with others. Maybe you've been fortunate in your business and you've been able to make a good living and you now have uh, the ability to help others financially. But also, are you helping others maybe in other needs? And sometimes these things come across our path and there are opportunities where we can help others, when we can give to others because we've received that gift from the Lord. And we do it in a way not expecting anything in return. See, that's, that, then we know it's a gift. Then we know it's a spiritual gift from the Lord because we're not expecting anything back. It's just, we're just giving. When you give, you, open, you give with an open hand and you just allow that person to be blessed. You know, you guys know, you who have that gift, when you give to others, what a blessing it is to you. When you see someone being blessed by your gift, that it also blesses you. Paul goes on here in Romans 12, 8. He says, he who leads with diligence. This is talking about a spiritual leader within the church, a leader with diligence. Diligence is someone who's attentive, attentive to the needs of, of those under his or her leadership. This could be a man or a woman. You may be a leader in a ministry. You may be a leader in a small group. Are you attentive to the people's needs that you're leading? See, this is not leading from a place of power, but leading from a place of care. Do you care for the people that you're leading? Almost anyone can demand that people follow them. But I think it takes a very special gift from God for people to willingly follow because they know how much you love them. They know how much you care for them. And diligence also means perseverance. Perseverance. Do you give up? Is, does, does the leading, is, is leading a burden to you? Or is it something you do willingly and joyfully? And even though there may be challenges along the way, do you still persevere through them because you know that God's given you a call for that, for leadership? You can be a spiritual leader in the church. But you can also be the spiritual leader of your home and your family. If you have a gifting to be that spiritual leader... At home, it means that your family will grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. They'll follow you because you're pointing them to Jesus Christ. And that's, that's being a leader, using that gift of leadership. He goes on and says, He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. 
mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I like the fact that sometimes Paul uses some descriptive words in, in, in when he's relating these spiritual gifts. See, it might be easy enough to show mercy to others, but sometimes, because most of the time when we show mercy, why is it? It's because someone's in great need, right? Someone might be suffering, and they come before us, and if we have the gifting of mercy, not only do we show them mercy, but we do it cheerfully. You know, I think of, I think of Job's friends when they went to Job in his time of suffering. They were very merciful with him at first. Very, very merciful. They didn't judge him. You know, they didn't talk down to him. They didn't tell him that he was a bad Christian. They just showed mercy to him. That all changed, but at the beginning. But that's what the gift of mercy with cheerfulness is all about. Putting yourself in their shoes. Having empathy. That's having real empathy for the other person. Being able to put yourself in their place and say, this is how I would want someone to minister to me. This is how I would want someone to be merciful to me with, uh, in a cheerful way, in a joyful way. And then if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's another list here. Some of them overlap, but some of them are different. And in verses 4 through 7, Paul writes, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So we can be sure that this, this list that's going to follow is a list of spiritual gifts because Paul says here the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Each one. Each one who? Each believer. Every single one who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and who claims to be a follower of Christ has been given a spiritual gift. And who is it to be used for? It says right here, for the profit of all. For the profit of everyone. Not for yourself. Not to puff yourself up. Not to make yourself look better in front of others. But for for their benefit. For the benefit of others. Many spiritual gifts, Paul, Paul talks about, they all come from one source, the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.8 says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. It's been said that wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. I think these two things have to be linked together. Wisdom and knowledge. The Bible tells us in James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, I think that's a general wisdom that all believers have if we ask for it. Where do we get this wisdom? Well, the wisdom that we have, the Bible says that the Bible, the Bible contains everything that pertains to life and godliness. So whether it's in our everyday life, our family, our workplace, our, our friends, or the life of the church, or our walk with the Lord, the Bible contains everything. It gives us wisdom. You know, there's a portion of the Bible that's called the wisdom books, talking about Psalms and Proverbs, those books that give us those, the understanding of how to walk day by day before the Lord. What do we do in these certain instances? What do we do when something comes up 
How does God see certain things? So we have wisdom from the Scriptures. All believers have that. But there also seems to be a special anointing of wisdom on certain people. Look what it says in Acts chapter 6. And in verse 8 it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. And in verse 10 it says, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. At this particular time, remember Stephen was that first martyr, the outspoken one who would tell people of Jesus Christ. And there was wisdom. There was spiritual wisdom. There was supernatural wisdom behind the words that he spoke. Now, it may be that a pastor or a teacher has not only the gift of teaching, but also the gift of wisdom. And maybe there's a spiritual empowerment behind what they say. Because not only are they preaching the Word of God, but they're also doing it with wisdom, and you can sense that. The Word of Wisdom was given to Stephen at this particular time in order to establish his authority to speak the truth in the face of accusations, false accusations. Remember they said he was blaspheming God. And in the face of persecution, we need at those times a special word of wisdom from God. Because we can't face those things on our own. I believe the Lord gives many believers words of wisdom, the gift of wisdom, in order to defend your faith. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone, maybe defending your faith, trying to show them the truth of, the, of what the Bible says and, and the truth about who God is, and maybe you share this, this truth with them, and, and, then you, and then you go on your way and you say, I, I said things I didn't even know I knew. Where did that come from? I know that's happened to many of us. We've spoken about it. Where did those things come from? Well, the Bible tells us too that the Holy Spirit will bring those things back to your mind. But I think for some, for some people, and I think it's, it's for many believers, God has gifted them with this word of wisdom. This word of wisdom. And, that, and the word of knowledge is, is just being able to understand the things of God. Understand the things of God. And then the word of wisdom is to rightly use those things for His glory and also to, to bring and to share with others about, about God. 1 Corinthians 12, 9 tells us that there's a gift, a special gift of faith. He says, to another faith by the same Spirit Galatians 5 tells us that faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. A fruit of the Spirit of God. If, you've, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you have the fruit of the Spirit within you. And one of those is faithfulness. And it, it's possible that this particular gift of faith is given to every believer. And the Bible tends to indicate that. First of all, we can't believe without faith. And we can't please God without faith. It says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That takes faith. And I believe that this is one, another one of those gifts of God that really applies to most, if not all, believers. We have the gift of faith. In order to believe, we must have faith. In order to please God, we must have faith. But I think it's exercising that faith sometimes where we get into a little bit of trouble or we struggle with exercising that faith. You know, the, Jesus had to rebuke his disciples from time to time and he would say, you of little faith. 
Well, yes, the, their faith waned at times, usually in the midst of difficulty, usually in the midst of a trial. But the Bible also tells us that we can have faith as small as a mustard seed. And we will see great things. Why? Well, because it's not necessarily the measure of faith, but it's who we have the faith in. The object of our faith. The object of our faith has to be Jesus. So, you may feel like you have little faith, but that's okay, as long as it's in the right place. 1 Corinthians 12.9 goes on and talks about other gifts. And I'm going to combine these verses 9 and 10 into one. And it talks about the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Another to, the working, to another, the working of miracles. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. So these are maybe extra supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of healings, the gifts of miracles, and the gifts of tongues. And again, like some of the other kind of uh, supernatural gifts, they may be a source of contention or controversy, even amongst believers. And I believe that that's because a lot of times we see these gifts abused within so-called Christianity. Because we see people using these gifts or purporting to use these gifts to puff themselves up, to make a show or a spectacle. Have you ever seen some of these um, online preachers or online miracle workers or faith healers and you wonder to yourself that there's something off about that it, it, that doesn't look right it, it seems too much of a spectacle it seems like it's all about them well we already have established that our gifts are not to be used for ourselves for our own self-centeredness or our own puffing up of our own reputation or for monetary reward. But our, our gifts are supposed to be used for others. If that was the case and they really had the gift of healing, why would they do it in front of 30,000 people in a stadium? Why wouldn't they just go into the children's hospitals and heal all the children? So we question those gifts, right? We question some of those gifts of healings. But, on the other hand, I will say that we may have all experienced at some point someone being miraculously healed of something. Someone going to a doctor after their tests and the doctor telling them the tumor is no longer there. I know I've experienced that. I know I've heard people relate that truth. And it could only be God. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says. He healed in the Old Testament. He continues to heal today. He may heal through one of his servants, you or I. But again, it's not us who get the glory. It's God. He may heal miraculously, without us as he sees fit. He may use the ministry of someone who brings that need before God for a physical healing or even another healing. There are people with emotional scars from maybe years of abuse and need a healing. And they receive that healing from the Lord maybe through you, or as God uses you to bring compassion and comfort and peace and healing to that person. But again, God gets the glory, right? See, I think the problem with some of today's so-called faith healers is that many of them, many of them have been shown to be frauds over the years. I mean, they've been exposed. You know, that there's a 
a wireless mic in someone's ear and they they know that they have something or that they've set it up ahead of time. We've seen all those things being exposed. Now in this church, we exhort you, we encourage you to come forward for prayer. And that could be for anything. That could be for a physical need. That could be to intercede for others. That could be for an emotional issue that you're going through. It could be a relational thing that you don't know exactly how to deal with. And the, the prayer teams that we have have been instructed to lift you up to the Lord, but also to give God the sort of the opportunity, he doesn't need our permission, to heal in any way he sees fit. So we encourage you to come forward for prayer. James 5.14 even instructs us, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're instructed to do so. Why would that be there if God wasn't going to use those types of situations to heal people? Well, he can, and he does. But never, ever take the focus off of God and onto yourself. See, we may ask you to come forward for prayer. We do it after every service now. We have a great group of people who have stepped out in faith to be part of our prayer team. But God can heal in many different ways. He can heal in a miraculous way. He can use a doctor, gifted doctors, right, to perform life-saving procedures. He may use medications that have been, uh, that have been developed to stabilize uh, you know, maybe a chronic condition. And we, we give credit to the doctors. We thank the doctors. We praise the pharmaceutical researchers who have, who have found those medications, who have committed their lives to helping others. But remember, God has not only done the healing. He's given them the wisdom to do those things. It all comes back to God. And one more thing about those kind of supernatural gifts is those could be also called gifts of signs and wonders. And we need to be careful of that. See, people can get attracted to the sign and the wonder and the novelty and the entertainment factor and lose sight of the giver of the gift. And we can also, the Bible says, be deceived by signs and wonders. And I believe that because of that, God is protecting us from deception by kind of limiting the use of these particular gifts. Because it would be, we, would be, we wouldn't know where to turn if they were on every corner doing these signs and wonders. Uh, Matthew 24, 24 tells us, Jesus says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Even the elect, even believers could be deceived by these false signs and wonders. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 has two more additional gifts that I'm going to mention and then we'll kind of wrap it all up. And along with some of the things within the church itself, within the actual local body of Christ, within the local church, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about these things. He says in verse 28, And God has appointed these things in the church. First apostles, second prophets, and te third teachers. After that, miracles, the gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and a variety of tongues. So we're going to talk about helps and administrations. Helps and administrations. There are gifts 
that are used within the local church. Help. Helps is the ability to see a need and to want, and to, want to solve that problem, to try to address that need. The ministry of helps is so important in the local church because it fosters love. It fosters selflessness among the body because you see a need outside of your own needs and you feel, feel empowered to help that person. We may know of people already who are at, at the moment's notice ready to jump in, Right? ready to jump in. We, we tap people on the shoulder sometimes as pastors and say, hey, could you help with this? Could you do that? We know we've identified that they have a gift of helps, that they're willing to do it all the time. It's an awesome thing. Maybe you've been given this gift of helps and you drive people to doctor's appointments that couldn't go otherwise or to treatments. Or maybe you bring a meal to someone when there's an illness in the family. But your helps could be also in a spiritual sense. Someone may be struggling in sin or doubt, and you may be that person to speak words of comfort and truth and point them toward the Scriptures for answers. You may help identify someone else and their spiritual gift. That may be how your gift of helps is used, and then encourage them to use it. We see within this church alone, this small body of believers, the so many opportunities to use that gift of helps. And you may say to yourself, I don't know what it is, but I whenever someone says, can you do this? Or we have a sign-up sheet for certain things to come and help. They're always on the list. They're always on the list, and that's an awesome thing. And you may say, I, I, I seem to be a person who's always signing up for these things. Well, you have the gift of helps. Praise the Lord. Because under normal circumstances, naturally, we would be more selfish. Selfish. We would say, oh, I have something to do, or, or I can't be there, or I have to sleep late, whatever. You could use a million different excuses. But if you have the gift of helps, it's kind of, you're kind of, pushed by the Holy Spirit to say, go, get involved, help. And then administrations. Administrations is so important. And I do not have this gift. (laughs) I'm so disorganized. My wife, Claire, will tell you she has to come in every few months and reorganize all my music and everything in my office and straighten things out. And um, She takes my mess and kind of makes sense of it. But administrations is that kind of that gift of organization. Are you an organized person? And you may think it's a natural ability, but it also could be a spiritual gift. Are you able to keep things running smoothly, maybe, within a ministry? Are you that person who can keep things organized and make sure that, that everything is taken care of? Well, then you have the gifts of administration. So, I, I don't know about you, but going through these lists of gifts, I found that there were more gifts that I might have than I even realized before. I hope you were able to maybe glean some of these gifts for yourself. Figure out maybe what gifts you have. Now, the Apostle Paul says, if you have a gift, what? Use it. If you have a gift, use it. You know, we talked about natural talents, natural abilities, and the fact that some of those can actually be used by God and then he can empower them to be used as spiritual gifts in the work of the ministry or in the running of the church or something like that. And I'm going to give you a little personal story, an example. You can put that picture up if you, if you can. So. So the guy on the right, you may recognize. Um, That's a couple of years ago. (laughs) 
I started playing. I started playing guitar when I was nine years old. I remember. I was looking for this picture. I couldn't find it. I remember getting a Sears Silvertone guitar. It was bigger than I was for Christmas one year, and I started playing. Uh, my father's father played the guitar, an, an Italian from the old country. He brought his guitar with him. Every once in a while, we'd go over and he would play some old Italian folk songs for us. I probably got the the natural ability handed down in in, uh, in my genes for that. So I started playing around and wound up in a couple of bands throughout my teen years. I think we were about 13. That's my friend Greg. I think he's out on the West Coast now. I should send him that picture. Um, but I played in, in you know, rock and roll bands and jazz bands and things like that over the years. And then... Uh, when I got married and we started to have kids, I kind of put it aside. And I didn't play, I didn't play for at least 15 years, maybe longer, maybe 20 years. And during that time, um, or at the end of about 20 years, we went to a church and we got saved. Claire and I got saved. We, we didn't have a relationship with the Lord before. We were involved in a denomination, but um, but I will tell you, in that other denomination, when I was about 12, I did play in what they called the, the folk mass, which was a couple of kids playing guitar and singing folk songs. Um, but it wasn't until I got saved and then there was a, a call for someone to join the children's worship ministry. Now, I didn't even know what that was but I knew that it involved musical music and I knew that the call went out for people who could play the guitar. And so I decided to sign up for it. Um, I had to go find a guitar. I didn't even have one at the time. I had to go find a guitar. I had to kind of relearn a lot of things. But it started to come back to me. Now, I believe that that's a natural gift natural talent and ability that God had given me. But the funny thing is, although I enjoyed playing through my teen years and, and everything else, it was, it was very enjoyable, very fulfilling, and, um, except for the times my mother would tell me, come on out and play for auntie or uncle. Um, I never felt fulfilled. I never felt truly satisfied in using that gift until I was using it for the Lord. It, it was an amazing thing. I started playing little children's worship songs with the three, four, and five-year-olds. And to see them sometimes singing was just was a joy that I never experienced before. You see, I think the point of this whole message today is this. You are all very talented people in one way or another. You are unique in what God has given you. And he's given you natural abilities, and maybe you use those things. And that's great. Keep doing that. But if you want to be truly fulfilled in your calling, if you want to be truly satisfied that you're doing everything that you're supposed to do, use that gift Use that talent. Find out what your gifting is and start using it to glorify God. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact 
at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.